belong, become, believe. You're listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. The message for April 11th, 2021 is called Track Changes. The speaker is Tim Holland and the location is Vespers Point, Mount Sequoia in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Tim, and I'm part of the teaching team here at Grace Church. Um, we talked about Easter last week, and the last couple of months we've been going through the book of Isaiah. And so today will be no different. We are going through, uh, going to be focusing on Isaiah 40 and 41. So I'm going to go ahead and read that. So if you want to read along, feel free. If not, you can just listen. Um, I'll try to stay away from being a little more monotone. Um, but I'm reading the, from the Hebrew Bible translation by Robert Alter. Comfort, O oh comfort my people, says your God. Speak to the heart of Jerusalem and call out to her. For her term of service is ended. Her crime is expiated. For she has taken from the Lord's hand double for all her offenses. A voice calls out in the wilderness. Clear a way for the Lord's road. Level in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted high and every mountain brought low. And the crooked shall be straight and the ridges become a valley and the Lord's glory shall be revealed. And all flesh together see that the Lord's mouth has spoken. A voice calls out saying, call and said, what, sh- what, I shall- what shall I call? All flesh is grass and all its trust like the flowers of the field. I forgot to take this out. grass and all its trust like the flowers of a field. Grass dries up, the flower fades, for the Lord's wind has blown upon it. The people indeed is grass, grass dries up, flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. On a high mountain, go up, O herald of Zion. Raise your voice mightily, raise it, do not fear. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. Look, the master Lord shall come in power. His arm commanding for him, look, his reward is with him, his wages before him. Like a shepherd, he minds his flock. In his arms, he gathers limbs, and in his lap, he bears them, leads the ewes. Who with his hands hollow has measured the heavens, has gauged with a span waters, and meted the earth's dust with a measure, weighed with a scale the mountains, and the hills with a balance? Who has gauged the Lord's spirit, and what man has told then his plan? With whom did he counsel? Who informed him? Who taught him the path of justice, taught him knowledge, and the way of discernment informed him? Why nations are dropped from the bucket, like the balanced dust are reckoned? Why the coastlands he plucks up like dust? Lebanon has not enough fuel, and its beasts not enough for burnt offering, and the nations are as not before him. We are nothing and void, they are reckoned by him. And to whom would you liken God? And what likeness for him propose? The craftsman has shaped the idol, and the smith overlays it with gold and forges the links of silver. Mulberry wood for the gift, wood that won't rot he chooses. A skilled craftsman he seeks for himself to ready an idol that will not topple. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Was it not told to you from the first? Have you not grasped how the earth was founded? He is enthroned on the rim of the earth, And its dwellers are like grasshoppers. 
He spreads out like the, hev- the heavens like gauze and stretches them like a tent to dwell in. He turns princes into nothing. Earth's rulers he makes as not. Hardly planted, hardly sown, hardly their stem rooted in earth. When he blows on them, they wither. And the storm bears them off like chaff. And to whom would you liken me that I be compared, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created thee. He who musters their host by number and all of them calls by name. Through abundant strength and mighty power, they shall be as not. No one lacks in the ranks. Why should you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My way is hidden from the Lord. Why should you say, O Jacob, and speak, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is ignored by God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? An eternal God is the Lord, creator of the ends of the earth. He does not tire, is not weary. His discernment cannot be fathomed. He gives vigor to the weary and great power to those who, who are sapped of strength. Lads may grow weary and tire and young men may badly stumble. But who wait for the Lord shall renew vigor, shall grow new pinions like the eagles, shall run and not tire, walk on and not be weary. Be still for me, you coastlands, and let nations renew their vigor. Let them draw near, let them speak. Together, let us come to trial. Who has stirred up the victory from the east called it to his feet. He sets down before him nations and holds sway over kings, turns their sword into dust like driven chaff their bow. He pursues them, moves on safe and sound. He touches no path with his feet. Who has enacted and done it, calling the generations from the first? I, the Lord, am the first. And with the last ones, it is I. The coastlands have seen and heard feared. The ends of the earth have trembled. They have drawn near and have come. Each man helps his fellow and his brother says, be strong. And the craftsman strengthens the smith, the hammer wielder, the anvil pounder. He says to the glue, it is good and strengthens it with nails that it not totter. As for you, O Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, seed of Abraham, my friend, whom I took up from the ends of the earth, And called forth from its nobles and said to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not despised you. Do not fear for I am with you. Do not be frightened for I am your God. I have sustained you, also have helped you, also have stayed you up with my triumphant right hand. Look, they shall be shamed and disgraced, all who are incensed against you. They shall be as not and shall perish those who contend with you. You shall seek them and shall not find them, those who battle with you. They shall be as nothing, not, and as nothing. Each man helps his fellow and to his brother says, be strong. And the craftsman strengthens the smith. Those who war against you, for I, for I am the Lord your God, holding your right hand, saying to you, do not fear. I am helping you. Do not fear, O worm of Jacob, men of Israel. I'm helping you, says the Lord. And your redeemer, Israel's holy one, look, I have made you a threshing board, a new one with double edges. You shall thresh mountains and grind them to dust and turn hills into chaff. You shall winnow them. The wind shall bear them off and the storm will scatter them. But you shall be glad in the Lord. In Israel's holy one, you shall exult. The poor and the needy seek water and there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst. I, the Lord, will answer them. God of Israel, I will not forsake them. 
I will open rivers on the peaks and wellsprings in the valley. I will turn desert into ponds of water and parched land into water sources. I will put cedars in the desert, acacia and myrtle and wild olive tree. I will put cypress in the wilderness, box tree and elm together, so they may see and know and take to heart and grasp together that the hand of the Lord has done this and Israel's holy one has created it. Bring out your case, says the Lord. Make your brief, says Jacob's king. Let them bring out and tell us that which will come about, the first things, what they are, tell, that we may pay heed and know the future. What is to come, make us hear. Tell the signs in advance that we may know that you are God's. Do either good or evil that we may be frightened and fear you as well. Why? You are as not and your deeds are as nothing. An abhorrence. Who would choose you? I have roused him from the north. He has come. From sunrise, he invokes my name. And he stomps on governors like mud as a potter tramples clay. Who has told from the first that we might know, from beforehand that we might say he is right? But none has told, none has announced, but none has heard your sayings. First for Zion, here they are. And for Jerusalem will I set a herald. I looked, but there was no man among them. None gave counsel whom I could ask and have them answer. Their deeds are nothing, mere wind and void their idols. So John spoke last week um, about how we are a resurrection people. We can clearly see from the Easter story of Jesus that this is so. Um, But our passage today, very long passage, um, Isaiah 40 and 41 shows us that we have always been a resurrection people. It is a calling that is embedded in us because God is embedded in us. And as image bearers, it is both our inheritance and our legacy. But what does this mean? What does it look like? Um, There's a story from the 1890s about a poor Hungarian immigrant who had just gone through Ellis Island and was discovered walking the railroad tracks in New Jersey. He was carrying all his possessions on his back in a huge bundle, clothes, household utensils, you name it. They were there. And even though he trudged along the tracks without giving up, he seemed tired. He was fumbling along the railroad ties, his feet getting caught between the planks with almost every step. The journey was taking a huge toll on him physically because it would have been easier to walk the same distance along the roadway. Nevertheless, he stuck to the tracks and moved sturdily but tiredly along. We also trudge along, overloaded with our stuff and carrying the weight of our very lives upon our shoulders often determined to go it alone. In verses six and seven and eight of chapter 40, we read all flesh is grass and all its trust like the flowers of the field. Grass dries up, the the flower fades, for the Lord's wind has blown upon it. The people is indeed grass. Grass dries up, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. When we walk along the tracks, unaware even of the possibility of an easier path because all we see is what is right in front of us, We are living our lives in the most unimaginative way, as if the totality of our story starts and ends with this metaphor about dried up grass. There is meaning in our impermanence, but the greater truth is that this is only part of it, not the sum total. Everything withers away, but our story is different because it does not end there. And neither does it for the man walking along those tracks. The story goes on with the man eventually passing by a train station where an agent stopped him and ordered him off the track, telling him that he was liable to be arrested for trespassing, that is, if he wasn't first killed by a train. The man objected and pulled out a railroad ticket, good from Jersey City to Scranton, PA. 
The agent looked at him in amazement and asked him why he was walking the track when he could have ridden the train. The man replied that he had thought the ticket only gave him the privilege of walking on the track. The agent explained the man's right as a ticket holder to board any train along the route, and he happily boarded the very next train that stopped. The writer of this story goes on to ask, don't you think the angels are just as much amazed at you to see you trudging along footsore and anxious and careworn when if you used your tickets of divine promise, you might mount up on wings as eagles? We are given strength, the ability to soar and run and walk without growing weary. We have the ticket, but we walk the track with unquestioning resolve. So often it is that we don't even acknowledge that we have a ticket, much less redeem it, that we don't walk into the fullness of our story. We don't step into our heritage as image bearers, but we are resurrection people. There is life for us beyond the chaff. Parallel imagery of grass and flowers throughout this passage in Isaiah can be found in Matthew 6, 28 through 30. When Jesus says, why do you worry about clothing? Think about how the flowers of the field grow. They do not work or spin. And if this is how God clothes the wild grass, which is here today and tomorrow is tossed in the fire to heat the oven, won't he clothe you even more? We are a resurrection people. God cares for us. We've been given strength and purpose and dignity. Often we approach scripture, whether for study or personal devotion or a moment of inspiration, with the hope that we'll see God, what God wants to say to us and about us, or sometimes about other people. But the real purpose of this passage is found in what we can glean about God. First, God doesn't need our belief. His sleigh is not powered by Christmas spirit. His resurrection wasn't brought about by our clapping as if he were Tinkerbell. He's not. <laughs> With all the withering and bringing down of mountains and waters in the desert, we find in these two chapters things completely outside of our control or ability, that God remains constant. As Paul says in 2 Timothy 2.13, God is faithful even when we have lost faith. Rewinding uh, to chapter 40, verse 6, we find the word promise. In Hebrew, hesed can be translated into English as trust and carries with it a sense of faithfulness or loyalty in meeting an obligation. All flesh is grass and it's trust like the flowers of the field. Grass dries up, the flowers fade, but God remains. This is the constant refrain throughout the passage, but God remains. Anyone who's been burned by someone close to them understands what it's like to lose trust. The scorching sun is no different here, but our level or lack of trust or loyalty has no bearing on the character of God. God remains. Next, God wants to be our friend. Weary, tired, sapped of strength, just wait. Literally wait. God has you. God calls us, calls us servant, chosen, friend. In chapter 41, verse 9, he says, I have chosen you and not despised you. God will crush our enemies, but sustain us and help us and raise us up and make our enemies disappear, turn deserts into ponds of water, plant trees in the desert and other hyperbolic things. I think the point of his poetic justice prophecy about crushing our enemies can be found in chapter 41, verse 13, where God says, I am holding your hand, saying to you, do not fear, I am helping you. And when that's the dynamic, nothing is required of us because God is safe. 
All we need to do is lean in. Finally, God loves us, imperfections and all. The imagery in these chapters of flowers fading and grass withering away reminds us that we are on earth for but a fleeting moment. When we fear withering and run away from fading, we miss out on the life God has for us. As Rob Bell writes, God talks of the life that will come from his own death, and he promises that that life will flow to us in thousands of small ways as we die to our egos, our pride, our need to be right, our self-sufficiency, our rebellion, and our stubborn insistence that we deserve to get it our way. When we cling with white knuckles to our sins and our hostility, we're like a tree that won't let its leaves go. There can't be a spring if we're stuck in autumn. Lose your life and find it, he says. That's how the world works. We need to let go, to embrace and accept our own humanity. Until we do that, we will never truly see our own imperfection. And if we can't see our imperfection, we'll never grow past it. But we make things so hard, contriving ways to draw close to God when he's already around us, everywhere to be seen. But we're not sure, but if we're not sure what it means or what it looks like practically, or maybe we once could hear and see God, but now it feels nebulous. What does it mean to see God around us when you've lost trust that he's there, and that his goodness is real? For those with the gift of faith, God's goodness is seen all around. But for others, whether a result of general disposition, season of life, or acute pain, sometimes it can feel like God is absent and non-existent or at a minimum that we just can't pinpoint where God is active in our lives. When you don't feel like you can see God fully, borrow the faith of others close to you. Look for the fruit of the Spirit all around you. Where you see love, lean in. Where you see joy, that is where God is at work. Where you see peace, God is there. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, God is there. I'm reminded of God's presence in my life when I hear my kids laugh. It's pure joy. Or faithfulness and self-control when Laura quietly squeezes my elbow, providing the support I've requested for group conversations where I struggle to keep my over-talking at bay. Um, It's real. (laughs) These things are a reminder that I'm not alone and that God has followed through and is helping me grow beyond my own shortcomings. And all this in the context of community. Look for God in the places and in the ways that he speaks to you. Where do you find rest and satisfaction? Many people find it in nature, in God's creation. But as image bearers, we also create. I find it when I can express myself creatively, whether that's building a replica of the Apollo Saturn V rocket in Lego form, or um, writing embedded formulas in Excel and using pivot tables because I love working with data. Um, It's a problem. (laughs) where is your creativity freely expressed? What in your life continually points you back to who God has made you to be? Don't limit yourself by insisting on walking the tracks with all of your belongings. Hop onto the train because you have the ticket already. Chapter 40, verse six, we read about God's greatness. To whom can you compare me? Whom do I resemble, says the Holy One. Look up at the sky who created all these heavenly lights. He is the one who leads out their ranks. He calls them by name because of his absolute power and awesome strength. 
No one is missing. And then after everything he's done for Israel, we're reminded in chapter 41, verse 20, that the Lord's power has accomplished this, that the Holy One of Israel has brought it into being. God is in the business of bringing things into being. Last week, we celebrated God's greatest instance of that, but it wasn't a one-time thing. Creation reminds us of this, and Easter reminds us of this. God breathes life and brings things, us, into being. His greatness is not contingent on us, on our faith. His greatness is not contingent on our faithfulness, but his faithfulness is our greatness. What in your life is so great that when you think about it, the only answer is that it was a result of God's faithfulness, of his bringing into being something new or breathing life into something that had withered away. Okay, so if we could, uh, we're going to transition into a time of communion. Um, yeah, so, like, perfect. Thanks, guys. Um, we're reminded of that renewal as we engage in communion. The uh, snack, as we call it in our family, trying to get away from that. Uh, communion is a big thing. For those of us less familiar, um, less experienced, communion is a ritual. And ritual like brushing your teeth, um, popcorn and movie night, pizza night as a family. Um, things we do that we love, but we do them because we share them in common with family. Um, the same is true for God's family, that Jesus was sharing a meal with his friends and talking about his death and um, probably confused his friends pretty, pretty badly. But uh, it's something that we remember that conversation by that time that Jesus spent with his friends. Thank you for listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. You can find more about us online at gracechurchnwa.org. Grace and peace.